0: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: Hi, I'm Scarlett Russell, entertainment editor at the Sunday Times Style, and welcome to Secrets of the Side Hustle. In this podcast, I speak to a range of female entrepreneurs who've turned their side hustle into a thriving business. You can get the latest episodes on the Times Radio app, as well as from wherever you normally indulge your podcast habit. And while you're there, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a rating and share us with your friends, family, and followers. My guest today is Rachel Shapey, whose side hustle I Can Compose has helped nearly 2,000 music students and teachers since it launched in 2018. I Can Compose is a music composition website. What does this mean? Well, students can log on and get tutorials and guidance, whether they're starting their composition, developing their piece, or looking for an extra hand with their music coursework. Teachers can also get access to lessons and activities too. Rachel is 37 and lives in Manchester, where she launched her side hustle while working as a secondary school music teacher. In the year she launched the business, Rachel, who has multiple sclerosis, won a £10,000 grant, which gave her business a huge boost. It was also awarded the outstanding music education product in the 2019 Music Teacher Awards for Excellence. So, let's meet Rachel, shall we? Hi, Rachel. Hello. Welcome to the Side Hustle. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Rachel, let's talk about I Can Compose
2: in your own words. Just tell me, what is it? What does it do? So I Can Compose is an online platform to help secondary school students with composing their own music. It's, okay. it's sort of showing how you can put sort of groups of notes together that will sound a certain way and how to sort of structure a tune. How to add chords to it. So there's lots of sort of technical advice, but it's not so prescriptive that students can't sort of take it off in their own direction and think, well, I'm going to do this, or I want to do this with my melody. So they can use my model composition as a sort of guide. But if they want to go off in their own way, that's absolutely fine. There's a real lack of resources for, for teachers and for students in learning how to compose music. Um, And I just always thought it'd be a really good idea if there was a kind of a website out there which had lots of ideas and sort of step by step guides for how to get going with composition. Because it's something that students really sort of lack confidence with.
1: And you started the business in 2018, but you were already working as a music teacher at Hume Grammar School in Oldham. That's right. Were you juggling both jobs at any time or did you leave teaching to concentrate on I Can Compose?
2: Yeah, so I, I had the idea for the business while I was teaching. You did do a bit of market research on your students, I did, didn't yeah. You? yeah. So I had the idea and I, I just sort of thought, oh, I don't know if this will work or is, is, is it something that they would use? So I did get some groups of students, um, got some questionnaires, had a bit of a chat with them. So yeah, I did a bit of sort of market research with the students <laughs> I had at school. Was that helpful? It was actually uh, because they came up with some really good suggestions so they were saying how much um, if it was something they had to pay for how much they'd be willing to to pay for it what kind of things they would find helpful on a a website like the one I was suggesting so it was really helpful.
1: You'd been teaching for I guess like 13 years by that point why did you want to leave teaching because it sounds like you you loved it you love what you did and yeah. you enjoyed working with the kids
2: no i've um really enjoyed being in the classroom and uh, i just found because i've got uh two young children so at that time uh, i had one age two and one age three and a half and i was just finding it just hard balancing being a classroom teacher which is you know quite tiring and there's always a lot of planning to do i was also just finding it hard to progress really You you can either sort of go down the pastoral route of being a head of year or you become a head of department. And I kind of really wanted to stay in the classroom, but progress somehow in that way. So this business is allowing me to sort of develop lots of resources. And I'm really in touch with a lot of music teachers now. And it's fantastic. I feel like I've really learnt a lot. I also
1: read that a lot of this was about wanting more flexible hours, which I think is an incentive that drives most people who want to start their own business.
2: But what difference has flexible hours made to your life now? It's made a massive difference. So uh, I don't have a commute anymore. So I work from home. So I used to have to sort of drop the children off at nursery, then get on the motorway up to Oldham. by the time I'd got to school, I felt like I'd already done a day to work. It. Mm, so it, it, it's great. So I just can drop them off at school now and work really flexibly. I can do a little bit here, a little bit there. And it, it works really well.
1: In 2018, Rachel finally made the life-changing decision to stop teaching and focus on her new business full time. I wanted to know, what was the first thing she did?
2: Well, first thing was I needed to think of a name for the business because I didn't know it was going to be called I Can Compose. So I needed to find a domain name because it's an online business that that hadn't already been taken. And that was actually quite hard, but no one had I Can Compose. So I I bought the domain name. I registered the company with Companies House and I found a web designer. I went into the local web design shop, which was a great move. They were just fantastic. So they designed the label and the uh, the logo, sorry, the colour scheme. And they really listened to kind of what I wanted to do with the website. And we sort of took it from there. So they were really instrumental in building a really good website for me.
1: Were you just investing
2: your own savings at this point? Yeah, so I'd had a little bit of inheritance from a relative who'd died. So I, I put that to one side and I invested that in the website so that I had something to... To start off with. So that was probably about 5,000. Your courses themselves, you offer several courses. Can you tell me about yeah. some of them? We've got some which are kind of intermediate levels, so how to compose a melody, how to add chords to a melody. So they're sort of quite technical courses. And then I've got some more substantial courses, which are how to compose a jazz piece, how to compose a tango, how to compose a competition piece. And in each one of them, I compose a piece of music myself. So they've got a model composition, the sort of thing that a student could say, oh, yeah, I could I could write that myself. So it's a kind of GCSE sort of level. Um, wow. And then through each lesson, the composition is broken down sort of bit by bit so that a student can watch how a composition is put together. Because so often, as music teachers, we just show um, like the final, a final composition and often students can think, well, how, how am I going to write something like that? It, you know, it looks far too complicated. And actually, lots of the time it's quite simple and it's as you build up a composition, it sort of grows in complexity. How many instruments do you play yourself? So I play the flute and piano.
1: Wow. But yeah. you can compose for all instruments, can you?
2: I can certainly have a go. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I suppose it's a, a skill, is just knowing how to sort of create musical ideas and put them together. I also noticed
1: that there's various levels, beginner, intermediate, advanced.
2: Yeah. So how, how do you
1: land on what will make a good course?
2: So really, it's just from my own classroom experience. If you can get a student writing a good melody then you're really onto something then because once you've got a good melody you can then learn how to develop it, add things to it, um, change the instrumentation. So if you can get the melody right and learn how to, to do that, and knew that that would be um, a useful course and it's our most popular one actually.
1: It sounds like this sort of teaching kind of, does need to be done in person. What can pupils gain from an online-only course such as this?
2: So that was one of the things right at the beginning, because this is, was such a new concept, like nobody had, had done online composition courses like this before.
1: Really? Um,
2: yeah, it was quite a, hard just sort of getting across what I was trying to do on the website. What we've done is tried to make it interactive so that we've got sort of video content the sort of model composition, which you may as a teacher in the classroom not have time to write yourself. It's one thing planning lessons, but it's a, another writing a whole composition yourself to present to students in the classroom. So I'm hoping that I'm kind of saving teachers time.
1: Did you find a spike over the COVID-19 lockdown? because Oh, massively,
2: mass- really? because everyone's moved everything online and teachers had a very short space of time to sort of you know, create materials and lessons that they could deliver remotely. Yeah, it's a massive spike. Yeah, certainly since lockdown, I really felt that I didn't really want to charge for these resources just because it was such a, a difficult situation. I really felt for the teachers having to suddenly, you know, create all these sort of online resources and sort of suddenly go to remote teaching. Mm. Um, and I didn't really want parents having to fork out for things as well. So I gave away probably about 7,000 courses around the world and um, so I had people from Egypt, China, the Philippines all sort of requesting a free course for their oh. students.
1: How do people across the world know about it? That's amazing.
2: Um yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think I um I'm on the social media platforms, so I've got quite a few teachers who follow me on Twitter and Facebook, who are in international schools perhaps, so international schools follow the British curriculum.
1: There's no denying Rachel's business fills a real need in music education, but even still, it's not enough to think your customers will just come to you. How did Rachel spread the word about her business?
2: So there's a magazine called Music Teacher Magazine um mm-hmm. which is obviously quite niche but a lot of music teachers read it. Um <laughs> so they ran an article about the website so that was good with for first just getting you know the initial sort of the word out there to begin with. And then after that um quite soon after I was just trying to get myself on various social media platforms but then sort of two awards came along in quite close succession um, and that yes. really helped promote things yeah so the first one was the Stelios Awards which is in conjunction with um, Leonard Cheshire the charity
1: so is this is the one where you ended up with a 10 grand grant
2: that's right yes
1: Fantastic. Um, okay
2: Yeah, I I didn't really hear about it until I think a few days before the deadline. So there's a massive rush and I I nearly didn't enter. You know, I've never won anything before and (laughs) I I very nearly didn't enter, but I really needed some uh, cash flow was going to become an issue. I thought, well, I can, I can give it a go. And I really didn't think anything would come of it. So I entered and then a couple of weeks later, there was five of us chosen and so everybody had won at least 10 grand each um, as finalists. And then there was going to be one person who won the top prize, which was 30,000.
1: Was it an award, an award for kind of entrepreneurs?
2: That's right. Yes. So um, people sort of starting up their own businesses uh, with with business ideas that they might have already launched or might be in the process of launching.
1: And you, to apply, you just kind of told them about your business and they clearly liked it very much.
2: Yeah, you know, there were lots of different businesses sort of going in for it. And I, I suppose I can compose with something a little bit different. Mm. Um, and it was online and I think they could just see the potential of it. I mean that ten grand must have been
1: game changing. It was, yeah. What did you do with the money?
2: It just meant that I could sort of relax a little bit really, because I, I was start I was starting to struggle just to sort of keep things going. Well, I could pay for the website because obviously I have to pay for the website every month.
1: Just the general maintenance of keeping it going.
2: Yeah. And the, yeah. the web designer who designed the site, so I've got, they provide the hosting, but also technical support. So mm. um, because I've got lots of students sort of logging in, sometimes there are technical issues, which I don't have the expertise or the mm. time really to sort out. So I've kind of got 24-7, well, not quite, but, you know, technical assistance there. So all that needs paying for, I needed a new computer so that I could run sort of music software on the website and work on that. And it meant that I could invest in things like going to conferences, which is a great way of meeting other teachers, because teachers are so busy, it's very hard to sort of get into contact with them. So yeah, the the second award uh, that I sort of found out that I'd been nominated for just after the Celios Awards uh, was The outstanding music education product for the Music Teacher Awards. And so that really gave a lot of sort of value and credibility to to the site. Before you got
1: this grant, it was quite tough financially for you, wasn't it? That's right. So your partner helped you out, did he? Is that your husband?
2: We were just managing on his income, really. So I was just keeping costs to a minimum. I wasn't really able to spend anything on marketing. I was just relying on social media and word of mouth as well. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that it would take time just to build up because I know that teachers, once they've found something that they like, they will tell other teachers. You know, I knew that that would happen at some point because I really believed that what I was creating was high quality and that was useful for students in the classroom. And And I knew it was. It's just I needed to get sort of some cheerleaders, I suppose, teachers who really liked the site And then we'd tell others. And just going back to the courses, the price point is very
1: reasonable. Some of them are free, some of them are £7.50, some, the highest is
2: just £22. How do you land on that price point? I wanted to have a kind of yearly subscription, uh, which was meant that you can, you can have a, a plan where you can get all the courses on the site for a year you can get all the downloadable resources because I provide things like homework packs and listening resources for the classroom but I just wanted to keep it flexible so that if somebody did just want to pay three pounds for a resource then that's fine they can just pay three pounds they might try it and like it and think well oh, I want more of this and I'll pay for the the you know the full access plan. Since Covid's all started I've had a lot more interest in the classroom plan which is where you, teachers can buy a plan for however many students are in their class and you're sort of paying per seat so you pay for sort of 20 students and they get they get a, a discounted access to all the courses.
1: How much is the yearly subscription for students?
2: So it depends how many they're paying for sort of the more students you're buying for less the price per head as it were so it might be £25 per student for the year or if you if you've got like 80 students it's maybe £15 per student so this is what the schools would pay. If you were just a
1: student who wanted to buy a yearly subscription of courses could they do that as well?
2: Yeah so there's also we've got a plan uh, it's built up really so we've got uh, the individual access plan which is £49 for the year And, and, and so anybody could buy that um, so I had a retired gentleman who bought it at the beginning of lockdown. He said, you know, he's going to be shielding for three months and he wanted to get his teeth into something. So he emailed me to say, like, what would be the best thing? You know, he wanted to try some of the courses. I said I could give him a free one because I gave out a load of free courses at the beginning of lockdown. But he purchased the the individual plan. So it's, it's for anybody, really.
1: How many members have you got signed up at the moment?
2: At the last count, um, about... 1900 um, users users on the site Um, and that's probably that's a mixture of students um, and teachers.
1: As a disabled entrepreneur who spent years working in education beforehand, I wanted to know what the working world had been like for Rachel, how she managed her MS and her business as well as what more could be done to support other people with disabilities in the workplace
2: quite fortunate really in that you know I'm still able to do most things go running most days I can still you know play the piano and the flute, um, which shows that you know my my fingers and everything are still working very well for me it's my levels of energy uh, that I need to work around so I can get very tired very easily so I just need to man- manage my energy levels Wow. Yeah. just not trying to do too much Mm. all at once so you know with having children that's quite tiring in itself um so I just need to make sure that for example in my working day I'll stop work um at least half an hour before I need to go and pick them up just that I can have a sit down and just unwind before I then go and pick them up and they sort of need my attention and my energy. Is this something you've always had? I was diagnosed actually in my first year of teaching um, which was oh. pretty challenging, yeah. Um, so how so old about, were you then? Um, about 22. I mean, that must have been quite a shock. Did it seemingly
1: come out of nowhere?
2: Yeah, it was, it was a real shock, because um, I'd always been quite healthy and quite well, and I was really quite unwell. Um, I couldn't use my hand, um, couldn't walk properly. Yeah, it just sort of happened over a, a few days, really, and it took quite um. a while to diagnose. I actually kept fairly quiet about it at work so not a lot of people knew about it because I I just wanted to sort of carry on as normal and not be treated any differently in, in a way. I just wanted to sort of do my job because I knew I could do a good job. I just in a way didn't have as much time to give to it as maybe other teachers uh, because I couldn't be sort of planning late into the evening and that kind of thing. But I don't mm-hmm. think that's a bad thing you know
1: did you find that the condition or your management of the condition improved when you left teaching because it is so stressful and very time consuming especially with that long commute
2: yeah i did find um i felt a lot better just generally because teaching is a lot of the time it's an all consuming job really and much as i loved it i needed a change really do you think that there's enough
1: open dialogue here in the UK about disability in the workplace?
2: I think it's improving, uh, but I think there needs to be a lot more done to help people not feel that it's a negative thing to have a disability. So I didn't feel that I could be open about it at work. I mean, at one school that I worked in, I didn't disclose it at all. So I just felt that it would be detrimental. And, th- and in retrospect, it's a shame, really, that I felt that way. Have you yeah. found there's much outside
1: support for listeners that might have a disability and they're worried about navigating that in the new
2: workspace? I found with the Stelios Awards, um there's a there's a sort of private Facebook group for anybody who enters them. So you don't have to be a for one or be a finalist, but anybody who enters that award then enters that sort of community. And that's quite helpful because everybody there is a disabled um, entrepreneur or business owner. And, you know, you can bounce ideas back and forth and hear how everybody's getting on. Uh, so it's quite a supportive atmosphere in that group.
0: And up to twenty-five percent off outdoor. That's up to twenty-five percent off outdoor furniture at com slash acast.
1: On this podcast, we love hearing business success stories. I wanted to know from Rachel what was something she did with I Can Compose that really paid off.
2: I always said to myself, this is gonna be high quality. Teachers can get like loads of resources for free. So I thought if I'm Going to want teachers to pay for this, it needs to be fantastic, it needs to be amazing. So I've always had that in my mind, and everything I put out on the site is something that I would pay for myself as a teacher. So how do you um, make it amazing? I always think of a student sitting there working through it, and I think, hang on, what would they put their hand up and ask if this was in the classroom? You know, if I'm using a technical term because once you get to GCSE music there's quite a lot of technical vocabulary that students need to be using then I'll have a little sort of drop down box that they have to click on and it'll explain what that key term is. I always make sure there's lots of examples so if I was doing it in the classroom I'd have lots of music examples to play and then we'd discuss them so in in the online version I've got lots of sort of clips of music that they sort of click on and listen to and they can see the music as well in front of them so it's kind of like an online textbook.
1: I was going to ask what's the kind of feedback you've had from teachers, from schools, from pupils?
2: when the site first launched, we tested it at Manchester High School for Girls. Um, so I went in and we did a sort of test lesson where they all logged in. And that was just to check that there were no technical issues before we launched. And also just to get some feedback on the actual course content. You know, some of them were saying, oh, I hope we can use this in school. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love how there's lots of examples that I like listening to. So we've got little videos of Adele, we've got Mozart, we've got Beethoven, we've got the James Bond theme.
1: You don't have to get into copyright law with any of that, do you?
2: I have checked all that out. So part of when I won the Stelios Award, we had access to Stelios's lawyers.
1: (laughs) Wow. Uh,
2: So that was a a big bonus. So I was able to chat to an IP lawyer about the site and making sure everything was above board. What's an IP Um, lawyer, sorry? Intellectual property. Obviously, I'm creating sort of my own material but I'm also perhaps using little clips here and there of other people's so we chatted about that and it was all checked over. Flicking it a bit what mistakes
1: did you make along the way and what would you have perhaps done differently? It all sounds so positive but (laughs) there
2: must have been something that went wrong. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I I was really well a beginner really with social media so I, I wasn't on any social media before I started this business at all so I wasn't even on Facebook I didn't know what Twitter was for <laughs> I've learned a lot in this time um so I was I think I was trying to perhaps do too much so I was spending a lot of time on all that and perhaps I should have just focused on one social media platform because it's all very time consuming which is time I could have been spent on other things in the business and so um, now which social media you've got
1: Facebook Instagram and Twitter
2: yes yeah
1: which do you find the most beneficial?
2: Probably Facebook, because there are a lot of music teacher groups on Facebook, which I'm a member of. So I'm able just to sort of keep in touch with them that way and just find out what it is that, you know, they're struggling with or what sort of resources they're all sort of looking for. And I can then see what's the next best thing for me to be working on.
1: But you think given another chance, you would maybe just focused on one instead of stretching yourself over those different platforms? Yeah,
2: I think, I think over time, I I sort of know a bit more what I'm doing with each of them now. So I didn't really know how to do Instagram very well because I haven't got like a physical product to photograph and to make it look amazing, like with some companies. So I didn't really know how to use Instagram to the best effect. I'm still learning with that really. But yeah, I probably would have just focused on perhaps using Facebook to start with. Rachel, do you have any other tips for businesses
1: that, much like yours, aren't selling a product but a service?
2: I found that just building a sort of loyal custom base and being in touch. So I do a monthly newsletter. To start with, it was monthly, but now I'm posting a bit more regularly just to keep in touch um, with customers. So I found that uh, really helpful. It can be quite chatty. It's just letting them know what you're up to. Not always having sort of salesy links straight to the site, but I look at what what other things are going on. So, um, you know, what other music companies are sort of offering, perhaps free resources or online CPD, that kind of thing. What's the so, CPD? Uh, sorry, continuing professional development. Okay. So quite a lot of teachers have had a bit more time recently um, <laughs> with not having to travel into school and do the usual things. So they've been doing a lot of online training. There's a lot in the news at the moment about music education being under threat.
1: A report by the Musicians Union, I'm sure you saw, described music education is being in a perilous state due to yes. government funding cuts and rising fees a yeah. lot of families who low income families just can't afford music lessons yeah. why is music the first to go and what effect do you think this will have on school kids
2: i think it's a really worrying state at the moment and it has been for a number of years now the push for the sort of science subjects and science english maths and the um baccalaureate qualification, a lot of schools were pushing that and music wasn't a part of that. And so a lot of schools now just aren't even offering music on their curriculum. It's just awful really, because there's not that sort of creative outlet that you get from music. And there's so many studies to show that schools that really embrace music and have it as a, a whole school focus, They're the ones where the students are thriving and getting the results. Not that it's all about results, but they're becoming more well-rounded young adults once they leave school.
1: Mm. I mean, it's such a huge question, but what changes would you like to see in music education? What do you think can be done?
2: The government need to put more funding in, um, schools need to see that it's an, impo- it's, a, it's an important subject and it's not just about learning instruments, it can help students' well-being, it helps their, their social skills just by being in ensembles and choirs, S- sense of confidence as well. You can see these students who just seem really sort of perhaps lacking in confidence and You get them in a music lesson, creating their own music, performing their own music, and suddenly they think, wow, I did that. And it can really improve their own sort of sense of worth as well.
1: Here's where I ask our guest our What She Said question. What She Said was a weekly column in Style where smart and successful female titans of industry answered your career dilemmas. This is Rachel's take on the question, how do I stay focused at work when going through a serious personal issue?
2: If you're going through personal issues, and I I think just recently, just with lockdown, I think that's thrown up a lot of, you know, issues for people. For me, I've hardly been able to do any work with having the children at home and just trying to sort of juggle everything. I think I've just had to really prioritise. So sort of think, okay, what's the main thing? I, it might have been only that I'd get one thing done this week. What will that one thing be? Because I think it was really important to be kind to yourself and to, to just think, okay, well, I'm going through something right now and it's temporary to keep the business going. What what needs to be done? What's the bare minimum that needs to be done? So it might just be that I think, right, this week I need to get a newsletter out. And that's just my the one thing and I'm happy if I've got got that newsletter out. So I think to just be kind to yourself and not to try and do too much and to just acknowledge that there's perhaps other things going on. And so the small amount of focus that you perhaps do have that needs to be focused on the right things.
1: Every time we speak to a female entrepreneur, we ask them to come up with a question for our next one. We call it Throw Forward. Last week, our guest was SoapSmith founder, Sam Jameson, who set Rachel this question. What was the opportunity that you had that really made your business boom, that defining moment, that defining contract product in your business that really made your business blossom?
2: There's probably two actually, if I can have two, two moments. Yeah, go Um, go, go for it. (laughs) So I think the first um, first was winning the Music Teacher Award uh, last year. That was really when I started to get the website started to get some recognition. And from that, I'd say the second one was really quite recently. So it was with the pandemic because everyone was going to online resources, education resources. And because I can compose is, is Quite niche, it's quite specific. Uh, so it's just about composing music, but the courses are designed to work through at home and in school. So suddenly, I found that a lot of people were looking for what I was offering and it really started to take off. What would be your question then for our next week's guest? So, for next week's guest, my question is How far ahead do you plan with your business and what kind of goals do you set? That's such a good one. That's really
1: good. It's very specific. Oh, Are you pretty organised, or would you like to be more organised?
2: No, I'm. I'm pretty organised. I think when you when you're a teacher, um, you've got to be really. I've got a big whiteboard in my office. Clearly, I couldn't live without one after leaving the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a big whiteboard. You can take the teacher
1: out of the classroom. Yeah. But... <laughs> It's almost time for me to say goodbye to Rachel. I've loved hearing about her business and the good work she's doing in the education sector. Before I let her go, I want to know what does the future look like for I Can Compose?
2: I think it's really picking up now. So we've had a lot of momentum built up over the last few weeks, certainly. Um, I feel positive about you know the new academic year and, I'd hope to be bringing on some more courses. we have got lots of schools now interested in this sort of classroom access plan. And I really want to just be keeping in touch with them and seeing what's going to be useful for their classrooms. Fantastic, Rachel. Thank you oh. so much for speaking with us. Oh, thank you. Thanks very much for having me.
1: A huge thanks to Rachel for sitting down and telling me all about her side hustle, I Can Compose. If you're in the mood to write some music, you'll find all her very reasonably priced courses at ICanCompose.com. You can also follow the business on Twitter at I underscore can underscore compose. And if you happen to be doing the rounds on social media, I'm also on Twitter at Scar Rose Russell. Finally, once again, please subscribe, rate and share the series via your preferred podcast app. Next week, I'll be joined by Sue Black, OBE recipient and founder of Tech Mums. Thanks for listening and see you soon!